Today's show is supported by Gunpowder and Sky's new film, Hearts Beat Loud. Guys, I loved this film. I hosted a Q&A for a screening in New York because I'm pals with one of the stars, Nick Offerman. It's great. And beyond him being a friend, I saw it. It blew me away. Heartfelt story about a guy who runs a record store. And uh, you guys loved our record store episode of Beautiful Anonymous. Go support this. It's the type of heartfelt story you guys will love. Nick Offerman and Kiersey Clemens stars a father and daughter songwriting duo that became an overnight success. Variety calls the film a ballad that everyone can hum to. I'm begging you support it. It's a small film. I loved it. You'll love it too. Hearts Beat Loud. Selected as a closing night film at this year's Sundance Film Festival. It's now playing in select theaters. If you're a fan of Earwolf, which you must be if you're listening to my show, you should definitely be listening to the great, the one and only, one of the most charming, hilarious people, Paul F. Tompkins. He's got his improv podcast, Spontane A Nation. In honor of Pride Month, Paul has all LGBTQ guests and improvisers right now. It's a great show. And Paul's one of the good, people who look back in history and say his, he's one of the people who built podcasts because he's so funny and so versatile and so good in this world. And uh, it's a pleasure to know him. Hear from our Earwolf friends, Cameron Esposito and Rhea Butcher this week. Check other guests from this month like Stephanie Beatriz from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Earwolf favorite Drew Tarver. Go for it. It's a good show. Subscribe to Spontanea Nation right now. Hear it every Monday wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hello to all my Tower of Terror enthusiasts. It's Beautiful Anonymous, one hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one, I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hello, it's Chris. Gethard, your host. Welcome to Beautiful Anonymous. I'm really uh, so excited to be here. As always, I'm thrilled I get to do this. Thrilled I get to record these one-on-one phone calls that tell the world what's on people's minds. 2018, baby. Creating, Creating this weird living archive of the issues that we all are thinking about. The lives we're all leading. In people's own words. What a lucky thing to stumble into. And the fact that it's one-on-one phone calls that have built a community is uh, beautiful. There's, of course, the beautiful anonymous Facebook community that's out there. If you want to join that, discuss with fellow fans, check it out. That's always fun. But I tell you, I've been going on the road lately doing stand-up. If you've been listening lately, you hear this. I keep plugging my dates. And I meet this community face-to-face, and it's cool, man. I always know. I know when the I know when the fans of the Chris Gethard show are coming because they all got like piercings and tattoos and stuff. But then the beautiful Nas fans, I know you guys are coming too because it's health, heartfelt. I was in uh, Tempe, Arizona this weekend. So many people who listen to the show came and said hi. It means the world to me. Uh, many people who asked for hugs. Can I hug you? That was nice. So cool. And I'm going to be in Syracuse, New York this weekend at the Funny Bone chrisgeth.com if you want to come out and say hi. Sorry for all the plugs lately, but I think you can hear my voice. Selling tickets is one thing. That's the job when you're stand-up. But even more so, there's just such genuine excitement for me. I met a few callers. met a few callers in my recent travels. I won't say who. But I also met a ton of listeners, people in Sorry Sally t-shirts at, at every show. It's just been so cool to meet you guys. Thanks for coming out. Maybe I'll see some of you in Syracuse. Uh, last week's episode was, of course, uh, the uh, smoking weed in Christiana episode. And I, 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 a lot, it's funny, a lot of people, uh, 
A lot of people, it's, it's some, some people are like, oh, I don't like these ones that's just somebody walking around a city or walking around a Walmart. And I get that, you know, styles make fights, as they say in the boxing world. I think it's cool. I, I like, I don't know, I like it. I like, I like just hearing people doing the mundane things too, someone on a train. We do every one of those. But I get it. I get that those are different. Some people want the hardcore stories, but a lot of people liked it. Also, in the Facebook group, was shocked to find, who knew that there was a... Uh, a Danish contingent to our fans. Hello to all the Danes out there. I didn't know they came out of the woodwork. A lot of people representing, saying, we're, that's not the only Denmark listener. We're here. They were talking in Danish. But they might have been saying this was a big pile of bullshit. Who hates it? I don't know. I, I don't know Danish. I didn't, I didn't go and translate all of it. Who knows? One person uh, did, Adrian left a, a, a very funny comment about uh, her experiences going to Copenhagen and and... All this and left it five. It was a five point comment, five different points. I do want to say, uh, point five was just Chris, just go to Denmark for the open face sandwiches and clean subways. I like that. I didn't know they were known for open face sandwiches, clean subways. And then Erica, who is a someone who's supported my work for years, who I actually met in London, Erica, who I believe once went as me for Halloween, meant a lot. Uh, Erica added an asterisk to the clean subways and said, clean subways that drive themselves. So I, who knew? Who knew that in Denmark the subways drive themselves? But yet another reason to go. I might want to check it out. This week's episode uh, was a very impactful one on me. It got to us, man. I think all of us listening. You're going to listen to somebody who works a tough gig and somebody who has seen a lot and somebody who's trying to do a lot, a lot of good in this world. And, uh, you know, I'm someone who tries to be a positive person who brings positive things to the world. This person smokes me. I, uh, it, they, they protect kids. They protect kids. It's going to be tough for some of you to hear because they protect kids who are in under duress, in troubled situations. I will say that the caller is remarkable in her positivity. You're going to hear it, man. On the front lines, in the trenches of a lot of stuff, but also someone who really, I, I, I will say, like, it's just doing it. It's just doing it. It kind of blew my mind. I think that's one of the things I've learned in a couple of years of doing this show is that one of the most incredible things about humanity that I have learned is that very often the people who are slogging through the most mud are also some of the most regular people. Some of the people who do extraordinary things at the end of the day are still you know, average people who just have to go to the grocery store like the rest of us. They're just living their lives. Uh, that balance blew me away. The just contributions this person's trying to make blew me away. And uh, so excited to see what you guys think. Caller, thank you for calling. Enjoy the listen, everybody. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Hi, how's it going? Hey. It's going good. How are you? How am I? I'll answer honestly. I tell you, I'm doing really good. Doing really good. I was on the road this weekend, got back yesterday. I was in St. Louis, Missouri, doing stand up comedy. And a lot of the people came out. What was that? I said, I don't think I've ever been to Missouri. Oh, it's a great place. It's a great, weird state. And I like it. And I like the people there. And a lot of the people came out and listened to the podcast, and they were so nice. They're like the nicest people. They, all of you guys who listen to this podcast are just like nice people. It's awesome to meet you. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. 
I guess it's the kind of content that attracts the nice people. That makes me feel real good. Makes me feel real good. Now, how about you? How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Um, I'm actually at work, so I'm taking my break really early today to do this. So. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for that. It's going to be real cool. I hope you don't get in trouble with work. No, no, I'm fine. It's pretty flexible. So um, I'm actually a social worker, and I'm out doing, like, home visits. So I am taking my break now, and I will get back to them whenever I'm done. Oh, wow. Home – that – I'm not certain what that entails, but it, it – uh, my impression of home visits is that that is an intense line of work, whatever it's in regards to. Yes. Yes, it does. Um, so basically, without giving too much away, I work with children and basically children who are at risk. So if there's any kind of risk factor in the child's life, um, then I'm put into place and I do home visits with the parents and with the children, trying to see if we can put any interventions in place to kind of put them on a good path. Wow. That's, that's, uh, thank you. On behalf of, uh, society, on behalf of society, thank you for doing that because, uh, that's hard. That's hard and heartbreaking. So your job is to go into homes, see if kids are suffering and try to stop that suffering. And, uh, I would also imagine maybe entering situations where people are actively trying to hide some stuff from you and you have to... You have to be almost like a detective and oh, yeah. and boogeyman and a boogeyman in some people's lives too, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of crazy. Um my particular program is voluntary. So a lot of the time um we'll get people who are interested in basically just getting stuff that we can help get for them. Like we're able to help them get stuff for their babies or beds or that kind of stuff. And some people are just in it for that. But then at the same time, there's also um, people who will meet with us because they know that they need help and they know that they can benefit from it. So, mm-hmm. so I mean, it's a two-edged sword. So, so are you? Is, are you, just so I'm clear, when you say it's voluntary, are you? Is this? Is this something? Are you in? A, are you a government employee still, or is this a separate? Is this a independent organization? Um, so it's a little bit weird because um, it's a state-funded program, but we are sponsored by a nonprofit organization. Okay, okay. So there's some separation there. So you're not you're not the person where if someone if someone winds up in okay, wow, yeah, I'm being I'm, you can see, hear me stammering because the questions are so sensitive, right? So if there's if there's a family that's in court and maybe there's some abuse in a household and they're being given a second chance, you're not the government worker that shows up to to uh, to monitor that. No. I would no, have No, um, no, I'm not. But I do work with those people. Right, um, right. And we work together. Right. So you're you're so. maybe a little bit of a less intense rung on that same ladder, but I would also have to imagine there's times where you see stuff and your job is to get those people involved right away. Oh, absolutely. Like um like if I'm working with a family and I see something that I feel like is not appropriate or not safe, then I do make that call. Um right. and we do report to those agencies. Right. Um and that's kind of where I'm at today. I've had a lot of 
just in the past year, I've had a lot of really intense ones where um, I end up reporting and then the children end up being removed. So my entire goal is to help parents be better and get to the point where they don't need that intervention. But unfortunately, it's been a little bit on the line where I'm having to make those calls. Wow. I mean... That's kind of like what I've been dealing with lately is whether, like, I'm doing the right thing. Like, am I doing enough to make them better? Like, my entire job is to be, like, preventative, but why am I getting the ones now where, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because that's, that, what a, uh, what an incredibly hard judgment call to have to make, you know, because in, in, I would imagine in, in one sense there's situations where you're like, this kid can't be in this environment, let it go. And then in, a, in another sense it's, am I breaking up a family? And uh, that judgment call is, I can't imagine that that ever gets easier. That doesn't seem like a thing that the more you do it, the more blunt you become to it. Yeah, it's- um, and I guess I've been doing it long enough now to be able to kind of like be desensitized to it. Like all of my friends and my family, they're like, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you are able to do this job every single day. And I'm like, well, you know, if, if I don't do it, who else is going to do it? And the babies, they need someone. So. Yeah. Yeah. And what are the things? Okay. Cause I don't want to just live on the extreme. I want to hear about like the fully rounded nonprofit side of this too, but just because I'm sure anyone listening is also concerned and has these questions, I would imagine if you're seeing evidence of violence or drug use or alcoholism, that's when it's, are those the real red flags that you're like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta draw, we gotta have an exit strategy for these kids. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then Um, there's also like different kinds of, um, things like if the children, like if the parents seem to be doing totally fine, but if the kids aren't showing sign of improvement, so I've had a couple where the parents are totally fine. Like they have nice things, like they're not your, what you would think of whenever you think they would need intervention. She was just a mom that needed a little extra help and, the babies weren't eating enough, so they weren't thriving. Right. Right. Oh, and that, that, those must, those must be the even harder ones, I would imagine. Right. It was, it was definitely an eye opener. It was almost to the point where if the babies hadn't, if I hadn't have seen the babies, they might not have been able to wake up in the next few days. Oh, wow. Wow. And that is it. So you were saying sometimes people just need, stuff and and they involve your organization and and sounding like th- this one sounds like people can't provide so are a lot of the people reaching out to you is 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 poverty the driving factor in the families you get involved in I would say that it is um a lot of our a lot of our um families they're um low income families or they're single moms um or they're teenagers um and a lot of them haven't been able to finish high school. They're not able to get high-paying jobs. So that puts them in a position where they're having to live on low-income housing. They're having to um, accept this help to be able to just provide. Wow. Now, I don't want to – you might not be comfortable with this, 
if that's the case, please just express it. Because I, I would also imagine there's some confidentiality stuff. But are there any, uh, you know, I, and I don't want to be sensationalistic either, but are there any representative stories of like the type of thing that you have seen that's an illustration of like not just the theoretical description of your job, but like here's a thing I dealt with that lets you know who I am and, and what I'm doing? Um, well, I guess just vaguely, um, I've had just recently a set of twins that was, um, the parents were staying in a motel room and they had a bunch of kids. They had four kids under three years old, including the two young twins. And one of the twins had received an injury from the other one, um, from one of the older children. And so I got into the house and, and I say into the home, into the motel room, essentially, um, with these really young infant babies. And I ended up um, having to get the intervention agencies involved. And then the babies ended up being removed. Wow. And uh, does your agency then work, continue to work with the parents to maybe get get things shaped up to a point where the family can be reunited? Yes. So I am still working with them. Um, and I'm trying to help them with um, getting the older children into daycare, um, with getting jobs, with getting transportation set up. So they're able to meet these goals to be able working towards, because the goal is always going to be reunification, except for like in different extreme cases. So, um, but yeah, they're working towards their goals. So I'm, I'm seeing improvement. Um, a lot, one of the things that plays a big part into it is the postpartum depression. Um, so we do a lot of screening for depression. We are able to link them with counseling services. We have programs that we work for, um, that we work with them on to help deal with their depression. And a lot of them do um, take advantage of their counseling services. So that's one of the plus sides that we like to see whenever the mom who really needs counseling, who might not have been able to get to it before, we have counselors that are able to go and meet her at her home. Yeah. I mean, that's, you're, you're doing, you're doing, uh, you, you, okay. There's so much to say, but first of all, just again, thank you. Thank you. Because you're doing work that is so much harder than what most of us would sign up to do. I asked you, you know, and, and you mentioning the counseling, providing transportation, things like this. I had asked you for like, are there any representative stories of like a heartbreaking situation? But what, what is like, what, tell me about a success story too. Um, oh, I've, I've had my fair share of success stories. Like those are the ones that you can be like, I helped her do that. You know, like um, I had a mom who was um, in a pretty violent situation. She wasn't able to um, kind of get away from this man. And she had had a hard time of it before too, before she had come to this town where I'm in. So she was able to get away from this man she was able to find a job, get her baby into daycare, um, and she was doing much better. She was able to provide for her baby, um, they, whereas before she wasn't able to even get off the couch. So we put her into counseling. We were able to help her get on medications that she needed. Um, I was able to help her with transportation the first few times in order to get to her job interviews, to get to her daycare, 
to get to apply for all of those benefits that she needed. And now she's in a place where she's able to um, take herself to work, to drop her baby off at daycare. Um, and she's, she's thriving. She has her counseling and she's, she's doing really great. So that's, I have a few like that that are able to like, well, I, I helped her do that. And maybe it could have been somebody else. I'm sure that anyone else working with her could have done the same thing, but looking at her whenever she tells you, like, I couldn't have done this without you, you know, I, I don't know where I'd be without you. And you're like, okay, well, that's, that's why I'm doing it. If I can help one person, then I've succeeded. Yeah, I would imagine that there's times where you're seeing some stuff and you have to take a deep breath and think of a story like that um, in, in order to keep going. Yes. I, I actually have like a few of those um, tricks, you know, to kind of keep it back. Like I have a pair of sunglasses that I wear when I'm driving and I'll bring them into the house with me. And a lot of the times if I'm like getting to where, okay, this is a little bit too much, then I kind of take them out and put them back on my head. And I'm like, okay, okay. You know, you do that Elsa maneuver, conceal, don't feel. <laughs> Con- conceal, don't feel. I love that phrase. I'm someone who, uh, I've spent the last few years of my work where I'm just publicly like, you got to feel your feelings, man. You got to embrace your feelings. Don't be ashamed of them. Don't hide them. Wear them on your sleeve. Don't apologize for how you feel. But you are someone in a world where, yeah, every once in a while, let's conceal, not feel. Let's do it. Um, it's a, I mean, it sounds, yeah. it sounds like on a basic level, the beautiful thing that you're doing that, that again, I'm so blown away by. You can hear it. You can hear it in my voice. I am blown away by what you do. It sounds like you go into situations where people, for one reason or another, just do not have a foundation and you help them build a foundation in the name of, hey, there's kids involved here and they deserve that foundation. Yes. Wow. Good on you. How do you decide to do that? This is a pool that you don't, you, you got to dive right in. And I, 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 how do you, do, how do you decide? Because you can come out, you can get a degree in social work and go in a whole bunch of different directions. This seems like it's got to be one of the more um, overwhelming ones. How do you decide this is I what know, you want right? to do? Yeah. But I guess I kind of didn't decide to do it. I, I kind of just fell into doing this. Um, I really don't even remember trying to deciding to go into social work, it kind of just snuck up on me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because, okay, so originally I was doing um, elementary education. Um, I did an internship in a school, and it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Like, just the regulations that teachers are under and the extreme pressure from the standardized testing. And I'll never forget, like, I got into one of my classrooms one morning And the teacher, she just looked drained and she handed me like a letter from a parent and a sticky note. And on the sticky note, she had written, are you sure you want to do this? And it was a letter from a parent just, just ripping into the teacher for God knows what. And I was just like, oh man, (laughs) (laughs) you're right. I don't want to do this. (laughs) Yeah. I mean. I had a friend, one of my very good friends from college, she wound up so smart and so sweet. And uh, she studied science and was on track to get like, she had her any number of picks of jobs, maybe in like, we're in Jersey where pharmaceuticals are big, like she was getting poached by that industry. She decided to become a public school teacher instead in the name of selflessness, wound up getting a job at one of the best public school districts in the country. 
And then I just watched her life become hell for years Ugh. as parents. She just said, I mean, if someone gets an A minus instead of an A plus, you're having a sit down meeting. And if a test score slips by a percentage point, you're having a sit down meeting where you're getting yelled at by a parent. And that seems insane to me. It does. It's exactly. And so it's like, you know what? I don't want to be in that situation where <laughs> all I'm trying to do is help these kids, but I'm just getting ripped into all the time. So that kind of led to the next situation. Like, well, what can I do to help kids where I'm going to be the one telling the parents what they need to do instead of them telling me what I need to do? So, so we- that's when I led me into social work. So we are effectively saying that you ent- you voluntarily entered a situation where you will head into a situation where you have described it as, you know, you just described a situation where you saw baby twins who live in a hotel room with two other siblings and their parents and that there's violence involved and you had to get them out of there. And the reason you do that is because it's less fucked up than being a teacher in a classroom. Exactly. <laughs> oh, sorry, Sally, but man, that is tough. What a tough condemnation of our uh, education system in 2018. Oh, man. that If that doesn't, like, sum up everything about what's wrong with the world, then I don't know what else can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you something that you – it might be out of your depth – you might go, hey, I'm not comfortable answering that. But since I have you on the phone and since you do what you do, um, we're, we're for anybody listening in the future, we, we are recording this on June 18th, 2018. And I'll tell you, I've been uh, personally reading all this stuff about the separation of immigrant families, and uh, it's killing me. It's killing me. It seems evil. And I try to be fair. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows I try to look at every side of an issue. I just don't see this one. You're someone who has seen families separated. What do you, I would have to imagine, are you keeping an eye on this stuff? Like, like you see what happens when a family gets separated. That's not an easy choice to make. Um, do you have opinions on this stuff? Let's go ahead and pause right there. Me going political a little bit, but it, it's on my mind in a big way. And this person, I think, will have some insight. I'm sure you want to hear the answer to that. And, and there's so much more, too. So much more that you're going to want to hear this be- from this beautiful caller. We'll be right back. Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. I sleep on one. I'm enthusiastic about it. It's a good product that I have enjoyed. My wife says she'll never sleep on another type of mattress ever again. They got three mattress models, the original Casper, the Wave, and the Essential. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. Not to mention the breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. It's delivered right to your door in a small size box where you're like, how do they do that? Free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. But the best part is you can be sure your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep on a trial. Look, you spend a third of your life sleeping. Should be comfortable. Like I said, mine's great. Still holds up. I mean, you guys, if you listen to it for a long time, you know I've had it for a while. It's still like new. It's not getting all, like other matches I've had, they start to fall apart, get beat up. They start to get these little like divots, right? And and it's hard to get comfortable. Nope, my Casper, just as pleasant and comfortable as it was day one. I still love it. Hallie still loves it. 
We love it. We don't even refer to it as our bed. She doesn't say, you want to go to bed? She goes, you want to go lay down in Casper? It's like a member of the family. You have $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash beautiful and using beautiful at checkout. That's casper.com slash beautiful. Offer code beautiful. $50 off your mattress purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time. Can't imagine fitting anything else in your life. I get it. Busy, right? How are you going to fit it in? Well, with Talkspace, therapy is easy. It's as easy as sending your therapist a message. Get something off your chest whenever you need to. Talk about everyday challenges at work or at home. Just chat about life. There's no extra commutes. You don't have to leave the office. Nobody's going to judge you. All you need is a computer with an internet connection or the Talkspace mobile app, and you can improve your mental health. Remember that therapy, it's not just, it's not dramatic. It doesn't have to be about venting thoughts and digging into childhood stuff. It's practical, everyday strategies for stress management. Helps you live a happier life. Having a therapist just provides you with a designated person for you to talk to who's trained to listen and help you make positive changes. And the Talkspace platform has over 2,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing life changes we all face and life challenges we all face. You want to match with a perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com slash beautiful. Use the code beautiful. You get $45 off your first month. Show your support for this show. That's beautiful at Talkspace.com slash beautiful. Thanks again to everybody who uh, sponsors this show and helps it exist. Now let's get back to the phone call. For anybody listening in the future, we, we are recording this on June 18th, 2018. And I'll tell you, I've been uh, personally reading all this stuff about the separation of immigrant families, and uh, it's killing me. It's killing me. It seems evil, and I try to be fair. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows I try to look at every side of an issue. I just don't see this one. You're someone who has seen families separated. What do you, I would have to imagine, are you keeping an eye on this stuff? Like, like you see what happens when a family gets separated. That's not an easy choice to make. Um, do you have opinions on this stuff? Yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, and, and I see like where you can kind of draw the similarities and everything. So I kind of, first I want to talk about like the immigrant children. So that it's, it's outrageous. It's like, Imagine being a family that's that's coming to try. They know that they're risking everything. And then all of a sudden they get here and their children are being ripped away. Like as young as, as young as the infants that I'm working with and they don't have any idea where they're going, but it's, it's outrageous to me. So I don't even know how to describe my feelings on that. Um, so, but then like being able to see where um, on the kind of the other side of the spectrum, my families, whenever their children are being removed from them, it's, it's for the care of the children. In the case of the immigrants, it's, it's for no purpose except for to serve a political agenda. Like these children are not benefit from being removed. And when, so, so on, on just like a basic, you're on the ground in the trenches, someone who has seen families, you, you've already stated that the goal when you're removing a kid, the goal from the start is reunite the family. There's damage yeah. anytime. I would have to imagine even in, and pardon my French, I'm getting worked up though. Even in the most fucked up situations you see, tearing a family apart, 
not easy. Not an easy choice to make. Oh, no. It's no, no. a last resort. Yes. Why is that? What are the effects on families that you see? What are the effects on kids? It creates this trauma. Um, you might think that PTSD, a lot of people think that it's, um, when you first hear it, it's, oh, Vietnam veterans or, you know, war veterans or whoever. But PTSD is very common in children who have been removed. That very traumatic separation of the only caregivers they've ever known and then being put into foster situations where sometimes it's not the best situation, but it was better than how they had it before. Um, and these children are so traumatized by this act that they themselves have to go through um, these very traumatic events. It's, it's really hard to make that call. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to get on a soapbox, but uh, I encourage anybody. And we we have a decent number of conservative listeners. This is one where we got to draw. Just to get on a... For anybody who doesn't know this this thing... There's there's a bridge in in the area where this is happening where it's perfectly legal. My understanding from whatever there's a bridge where it's perfectly legal for people to walk over and seek asylum. They've closed the bridge, mm -hmm. so people are sleeping on a bridge for sometimes ten days at a time, and eventually get so desperate that they sneak across a river, and then they get scooped up. They're trying to do this in a legal way. It's not illegal to seek asylum if you're in a, an unstable place. And uh, you see an image of a kid. I would have to imagine for you, you see an image of a kid who gets a number slapped on his chest and stuck in a pen. I would imagine for you, that's not what you do. If a family needs to be broken up, it's not like that. Oh, no, no. Like, it's haunting. It's extremely haunting. Um, and a lot of the times whenever a removal has to be done, we always look for a family placement first. Um, yeah. Whether it's like a grandparent or aunts or uncles or whoever can take the child who's family placement. If they can do it first, then they go there first. Right, right, right. So You keep a line of communication the, and connection open so that it's stable. I would imagine exactly. there's a thing. It's, that's more stable for the kids. That also has to be reassuring to the parents as well as, all right, there's... You're not someone showing up with a clipboard f from the government going, you're never going to see this kid again. And from the start, it's, hey, there's a pipeline of info here. You have access to it. You're going to know everything's okay. Exactly. Yeah. And then you know you know where they are. You know that they're safe. Um, you know um, you get a visitation opportunity. Like, you get that. You get that reassurance. Yeah. But yeah. with with these families it's just they know nothing and they're they're just ripped apart with no consideration just nothing it's evil uh, it's evil there's no way around it okay it is it, it makes me mad too so i'm i'm like oh sinking now yeah i'm i've been like I'm, I'm, I mean, you hear, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm choking up on the thing. I th just this morning, my wife got mad at me because I was in the bathroom for too long. And uh, I don't know why I said that. Oh, why do I forget that people listen to this sometimes? But I came, I came out of the bathroom. She's like, you're in there forever. Other people need the bathroom. I'm like, well, I, was, I got caught up in an article about this stuff and I'm sitting there crying in the bathroom. That's who you married. 
A guy wakes up in the morning and cries on the toilet. Cries on the <laughs> toilet. Anyway, okay. I cry on the toilet. That'll be the next BA. That's the next beautiful anonymous t-shirt that's coming out. I cry on the toilet and I'm not ashamed. Let's write that one down. See, get that out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Let's let that all out. That's, your legacy is you help families rebuild and you try to save children in bad situations. My legacy is I cry on the toilet. That's my legacy in this world. Okay. To get away from the political and the soapboxy stuff, I need to know more about you. You got a hobby. I hope you have a hobby. You got a hobby? You got something you're doing when you're not not driving around, going to uh, hotel rooms where where people who are in bad circumstances need your help? Yeah. Uh, I like doing a whole lot of different things. I like to run. That's my favorite. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And it sense. helps with that makes getting sense. all of this crazy out. So. You just go, you sweat, you get solitary, you process the thoughts, and you actually physically represent running away from the rest of your life through actual running. Yes, I get it. Yes, perfect. I sweat it all out. I let it go. Do the Elsa thing. You do, like, ultra marathons? What do you do? How far do you have to run before you feel better in this job? See, I'm not, like, a professional runner where, like, I don't compete. I'm not competitive, so I don't do, like, races or anything. I just run around my apartment complex and and then uh, I'm, I'm go around in circles a few times and then I'm done. You run. What else? I need to hear about the happy parts of your life because you're a saint and you're doing work that anyone in their right mind would appreciate. What else are you doing? Cause I need to know that you have a good life. I need to know that it's not Uh, just, just the pressure. My life is pretty great. Like, Awesome. I really do love my life, but good. um good, good. I I love Disney World. Um mm-hmm. I live in the happiest state on earth and where Disney World is. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I go to the beach a lot. Mm-hmm. Um I go to Disney whenever I can. It's perfect. You got one of those annual passes? Don't residents get cheaper passes, annual passes? Yeah, um I did for like two years, but they've changed the prices a little bit. They hiked it up, so I'm like, uh, eh. I go whenever I can. Yeah. I can get like four day pass and it's not that bad. So that's good. What's your favorite ride at Disney World? I need to imagine you on a ride. I need to imagine you having just the time where you're like, <laughs> you're like Splash Mountain. Is it Splash Mountain? I bet it's Splash yeah. Mountain. Splash Mountain is good. Um, I think it depends on which park that you're in, but mm-hmm. my favorite ride is closed now. So that was devastating. What is it? Um, they closed the great movie ride in Hollywood Studios. Yeah, that's a bummer. I'm going to tell you something. I know. I, I'll gonna, I'm going to reveal something about me. Uh, my parents uh, spend part of the year in Florida, as retirees do. And Sally, who's become a cult icon, people, when I curse in my stand-up shows, there are people who yell, sorry, Sally. You got to cut that out, guys. I'm trying to work up here. Sally loved the great movie ride, and she was heartbroken they closed it. But I wasn't bummed because they're replacing it with Star Wars bullshit. No. I love Star Wars. Uh, I want to go live in that Star Wars world in 2019 when they open that one. I do too. Don't get me wrong. And the Star Wars stuff they've got going on, it was pretty legit. Yeah. So Sounds like you're going to be able to get lost in an immersive world. But yeah, that's a bummer. The great movie ride. Classic. Classic. Hollywood Studios. It really was. It was. No, I mean, but other than that, um, there's 
There's, I mean, Magic Kingdom. (laughs) Can I just point out, social worker, my social worker friend, I said, what is your favorite ride? And you brought up one that is closed and heartbreaking. Did not accomplish my goal of bringing a happy moment to this episode. (laughs) They closed your favorite ride. No, social worker, she needs it. Stop, Disney World. Bring it back for my friend here. Um, Let's go with the Tower of Terror. Of course, you like the Tower of Terror. Hey, what's a happy thing in your life? The Tower of Terror. And the Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah. They do the, you know what's really good? Here's a question I've always had about Disney World is because the, the kids who work that ride and the people, not just kids, but the, the people who work that ride, they put them in those bellhop uniforms and they all roll their eyes back in their head and they try to freak you out. But if you're like interviewing at Disney World and you're showing up and you're trying to be one of the princesses and they're like, actually, no, you're going to work Tower of Terror. That must tell you a lot about how your personality and your appearance come off to a to someone like your Tower of Terror, your Tower of Terror. You've kind of got a pale you've got bags under your eyes and a pale hulking quality. You seem like you could creep people out. Tower of Terror for you. You don't get to run the Jungle Cruise. Your Tower of Terror material. Or going in for like one of those princesses, and then you get put in one of the costumes instead. Like, what what does that say about you? Yeah, yeah. It must also. I got to say too. Is there an element of Disney World in your love for? And I'm playing arm armchair shrink right now. My shrink's not going to like this. Is there a part of you that that likes being around families that are in happy times and happy places? Is there a part of it that you also get to see families that maybe aren't? in the throes of some, some dark times. Oh yeah. I mean, I love Disney world and it's just like me, I'm a kid at heart. So I just, I just love the Disney, but then at the same time you get to see the ones who are wearing the, my first visit buttons. And then you see the ones who are wearing happy birthday buttons or it's my parents 50th anniversary. And so you kind of see like everybody who has spent so much time and effort and money to get to this place that I go to all the time. So that's pretty interesting. And then um, whenever you see, we, we see kids who are like screaming or crying or whatever, instead of like kind of giving their parents a side eye, you'd be like, you know what? They've just had too much fun. It's okay. Too much fun. I'm going to go ahead and use my platform right now in an effort for good. If there's anyone listening to this who has connections at the Disney Corporation, I'm going to highly encourage that you reach out to us. Jared's going to keep track of your phone number if that's Okay. Disney Corporation okay. people, this is a human being who deserves a free lifetime pass to Disney World. It's a person who needs a free lifetime pass, okay? Talking about it's too expensive. You listen to the first half of this episode, this person drives around all day saving kids from bad situations. Disney World, you're all about putting kids in good situations. Let's help my friend on the phone out. I want a lifetime pass here, and I got no pull. And it probably won't work, but you deserve a lifetime pass. When I heard you say they jacked up the prices so I can't get an annual pass even, no. They should let you live in Cinderella's castle for a month. They should let you. I would do it too. Close down Tom Sawyer's Island and just let you have Tom Sawyer's Island. Nobody likes Tom Sawyer's Island anyway, except it's fun to take that log raft. You get over there and you walk on the barrel bridge. But let's close it down for a month and let you just live on Tom Sawyer's Island. You have your own private island in the middle of the Magic Kingdom. Let's that would be great. Free annual pass, Disney. Someone from the Disney Corporation. Let's reach out because this person <laughs> should be able to go blow off some steam in the world of tomorrow. Hey, I appreciate that. 
That's good. Right? I love going into, like, the Monsters, Inc., like, in the last floor, and they always pick on people in the crowd, and it's just so funny to watch their reactions, and I'm just like, <laughs> Wait, is that you the- know what, you can't hear is that the Sorry, com- go ahead. is that the comedy club the monsters Inc. or no that's which is the one that, with Lilo and Stitch where you can do you know what I'm talking about is it Lilo and Stitch or um, Monsters Inc. the comedy club it's it's Monsters Inc. it's like it's whenever you're on your way to Space Mountain it's over yes. there on the right we're it's, talking about the same yeah, thing yeah that's yes. the yeah it's the Monsters Inc. last floor and and the audience can submit jokes that they might say during the show that one yes I'm yes, gonna, yes. yo. I'm not trying to cause trouble, social worker, and I'm a fan of you, but I got a bone to pick with you right now. That thing is bullshit, and I hate it. It's bullshit. Why? And I, because I'm a professional comedian. I For 18 years, I go to that thing. I submitted about five jokes. They didn't use one of my jokes, and I'm not going to lie. The jokes they did use were whack-ass jokes. I was so mad. I was embarrassed. My wife is like, oh, you couldn't even get one joke on it. The Monsters, Inc. thing. I submitted <laughs> quality material, and they didn't use any of my jokes. And, 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 and for anybody listening who's never been, this is a thing where you go, and they have characters um, performing a comedy show. But then clearly they also have some people who I think are pretty talented because they work fast, man. And they, they put in jokes that are of the moment, and also the audience can submit jokes, and then the characters will use them and say them. But they all have to be kind of puns on a monster's theme, right? They all have to kind of yes, tie yeah. I put, I put the best joke they ever saw, and these people didn't use this solid gold that I gave them, that I handed them for free. I'm a professional. I, used, I mean, I guess if it makes you feel better, jokes. I've never gotten one of my jokes picked either. But my brother-in-law was the churro guy. So, mm-hmm. like... They pan to the audience during every show, and they'll put, like, this guy's treating everyone to churros. And then yeah. everybody's like, yeah, churro guy. So he was churro guy the one time. That was He's pretty cool. churro guy. He's getting roasted out there. You want to hear what my best joke was that they didn't use? Yeah, let's hear it. It's on a monster theme. It's kid-friendly. What do zombies use to make pickles? What? Brines. Oh, no. That's a perfect joke for that environment. I'm not saying I'd say that on stage. I'd be filled with nothing but shame. But for a kid's show, all kids love pickles, and everybody knows brains. Everybody knows brains. For zombies, maybe it's too scary for them. Maybe it's too... Hey, all I know is... This is what I do, and they discount it anyway. What? Uh, I got a couple questions for you. What was your okay. uh, fa- your family life growing up? Was it good? Um, it was pretty good. Um, I had a pretty good life. Like we, I have two sisters. Like I have an older and a younger sister. Um, my mom and dad. Um, we lived kind of like in a country ish area. And so we would play, like, outside all the time, and we'd go swimming. We'd ride our bikes everywhere. It was pretty great. So can't complain too much. Um, I got to be around 14, and my dad was diagnosed with cancer. Ah, I'm so Um, sorry. So he ended up passing away from that at 16 um, when I was 16. So after that, um, you know, we moved out of that house we moved to a different house so me and my mom 
and my little sister, because my older sister was in college at the time. So, but we've been, we've been good. We're growing from that. Um, me and my mom and my sisters, we're all best friends. So like, um, nothing was ever like kept secret from us. We were always involved in everything. Um, and my mom is always super supportive of everything that we do. So, so, you, so your, your current choice of work is not driven by some origin story of, uh, of your own family being fractured. Although I'm so sorry about um, the loss of your dad. Well, thank you. Um, but no, I think that I was going to kind of go down this path regardless of what happened. Um, just because from the very start, I've always loved kids and I've always wanted to be a teacher. And then when that didn't work out, I kind of mm-hmm. just scooted over into the next thing, which is helping kids. And do you have kids of your own? Way. I know this is a question that's not fair to ask. I'm actually very touchy about people asking, but just because of what you do and because it ties in, do you, do you have kids? No, I don't. And I mean, I'm not married, but I, I go back and forth on this all the time. Like, see, I would love have a kid but then at the same time is it really fair like is it fair to bring a kid into the world like this when there's kids being ripped from their parents and kids living in motel rooms like I go back and forth on it all the time so I am undecided about children wow that makes me wonder you had mentioned that you know you remove a kid from their family and it can lead to some PTSD do you do you ever worry about that with yourself worry about what in particular about maybe some PTSD stuff or some, some long-lasting effects. Like hearing someone as oh. as kind as you and giving as you say, you are you might not have kids. Whereas in my mind, I'm like, oh, you – I mean, I'm, I've been talking to you for 40 minutes. And I'm like, oh, you'd be the ultimate good mom, it sounds like. It makes me wonder if this is not leaving some scars on you that you, you, you have to consider. Right. So, I mean, maybe, but um, I don't I don't know. I mean, maybe if I were – in a relationship to where it was serious enough to where we were thinking about having kids, my opinion would be different, but as it is right now, I'm not. So I just don't see, I don't know. It's not really on my mind as much as maybe it would be if I were married at that stage in my life, but I'm not. So eh, it's okay. I have some dogs. Dogs are good. I have dogs. Dogs are good. What kind of dogs you got? I've never been a dog guy. People get mad at me about it. I don't like dogs. Now we're getting to the real burning question. I'm sure that about two or three minutes into this call, everybody was like, man, I bet Gethard's going to ask her what kind of dog she has. Can't wait for that. The real burning questions finally get their answers on this call when we come back. But in the meantime, check out the ads. Use the promo codes. You guys know the drill. We'll be right back. These days, you can get practically everything on demand. Like this podcast, you got it on demand. Listen whenever you want, when it's convenient for you, right? That's a nice thing in your life. So why are you still taking trips to the post office when you can get postage on demand at Stamps.com? It's a really good thing. I've used it with Stamps.com. You can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk 24-7 when it's convenient for you. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package using your own computer and printer. Then The mail carrier picks it up. Easy as that. Just click print mail and you're done. Could not be easier. I've said it a million times. I have to mail a lot of stuff. I am effectively a small businessman. I can walk down to the post office. I can stand in lines and that's great. They provide a great service, but I can cut out so much of that time 
by doing it myself with stamps.com. I've done it to mail t-shirts, to mail records, to mail everything. It's a good thing. I recommend it right now. You use the code BEAUTIFUL for this special offer. You get up to $55 free postage, a digital scale, a four-week trial. Don't wait. Go to stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in BEAUTIFUL. That's stamps.com. Enter BEAUTIFUL. Thank you again to everybody who sponsors this show. Now let's finish off the phone call. I have dogs. Dogs are good. What kind of dogs you got? I've never been a dog guy. People get mad at me about it. I don't like dogs. I mean, dogs are great. So I have I have two pugs. They're great. Pugs they are cute. They snort all the time. They're I lazy little pugs. I must admit that pugs are cute. I was just at a friend's party. They're pretty great. I was at a friend's party. And uh, it was at a, a small New York apartment. Somebody brought a two people brought dogs to the party in a small apartment. Dogs. This is like a railroad apartment in New York I mean, City. Leave the dog at home. It's did a they human make the party, party better? Uh, no. They kept jumping on a couch that I was sitting on, and I was eating food on a paper plate, and one of the dogs was wagging its tail next to me, and the tail touched my food. And the owner didn't move the dog. I, pu- I kind of nudged. didn't push the dog. I wasn't cruel to an animal, but I kind of physically just inched the dog away from my plate because its tail was touching my food. And the owner gave me the side eye like I was being a jerk. It's like, hey, I'm trying to eat a bagel and lox. We're here at a lunch. We're having a weekend brunch. I don't need an animal's tail. I like animals. I don't need them touching my food with their tails. And then at one point, okay. I was holding my friend's baby. My friend Keith and Be- my friends Keith and Bethany got a little baby. He's my buddy. I'm holding the little baby, and the dogs. These two dogs jump on the couch and they get in a fight, and nobody comes and pulls the dogs away. They let them duke it out. I'm like, I'm holding a baby here. I got to protect this child, and which I should not make light of in any way, because you protect children in a much bigger and realer way. And that was me putting my foot in my mouth. But it was concerning. I had to like jump, no, no, no. jump off the couch and be like, No, no, get the baby out of here. Anyway. Who cares? Who cares? I don't know. Yeah, we, I mean, yeah, leave your dogs at home. I mean, especially if it's not your house. Yeah, or ask first, whatever. They probably did ask first, and then my friends who are good people were like, yeah, the more the merrier. Bring the dogs. People love dogs. They probably did ask. They're probably fine. Anyway, we got 18 minutes left. So how was your weekend then? It was great. St. Louis, After- Louis was really fun. St. Louis was really fun. I did good. a yeah, I did five shows out there. Um, I wish I sold more tickets to them, but the people who did come out were so nice. And, uh, you know, it's funny. You look at the line afterwards. I, I like to meet the people. It, it gives me great joy. It's as fun as the shows for me. And you look down the line, and I'm like, oh, all the people with pink hair and facial piercings, they like the Chris Gethard show. And then you see the people who are like, sensibly dressed and seem to have their act together a little bit more. I'm like, those are the beautiful anonymous fans right there. I'm learning my demographics. And then you see the people who are crossovers where I'm like, they probably like both. Yep. It's fun to kind of guess. It's fun to guess who likes what. Right. Kind of make a game out of it. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. But I like it. I like it. How was your weekend? It was good. We went, um, we rented a boat and we went out and we were on the water all day on Sunday, yesterday. When you say we, who's we? Um, my mom and my sister, um, and then a 
group of our mixed coworkers. So there's about eight of us. Wow. You had a crew. You went- and we kind of just went out to an island and we hung out and we drank, listened to some music. It was great. Partied. You partied on a boat and an island. Yeah. Yeah. Island time. That's pretty sweet. I feel because comp- I actually. Um, I'll go for it. What? No, go for it. You say you actually what? Oh no. Okay. I was. Um, we. I was with one of my best friends, um, and we actually are going to New York for New Year's Eve. So neither of us have ever been. So we're super excited about that. Wow, that's cool. You're gonna do the ball. You're gonna do Times Square. I don't know yet. We're kind of in the midst of planning it. You so wanna- we're gonna see how it ends up going. You want a New Yorker's opinion on hanging out in Times Square on New Year's Eve, or should I let you just have your fun? Oh, no, please. Please give us advice. Harry, Jared, you tell me if you agree. Seems like a fate worse than death. I'd avoid, and I would avoid Times Square on New Year's Eve. The sense I get is that everybody goes, I mean, Times Square in general, New Yorkers are not hanging out, and we try to avoid walking through it. The Earwolf studio is uh, like six, five or six blocks away from Times Square, and that's uncomfortably close for me. To have to even, it's, uh, <laughs> the sense I get New Year's Eve is you go out there, you stand shoulder to shoulder, it's freezing cold, and then everybody gets so drunk that, and there's, that everybody's just like vomiting and peeing and you got nowhere to run away from. It seems like a nightmare. I think New Yorkers head in the opposite direction. And uh, God bless you. Come hang out. Enjoy my city. I hope it welcomes you warmly with open arms. But man, all those suckers I see on TV and at Times Square on New Year's Eve, I'm like, wow, man, you guys are suckers. So in your opinion, where would be the, the cooler place, the better place to go? Uh, you can find any number of bars. I would imagine right now they will mostly be in Brooklyn. That will be like very cool, chill vibes. That would be my guess. Okay, See, I yeah. could I could hang out in a in a chill bar. Like I would be totally fine just hanging out in a bar or like a crowded Olive Garden or something. Just like in in warm, like nowhere where I'm having to stand for hours on end, accomplishing well, nothing. If you're coming to New York City, I will say. There is a middle ground between Times Square and Olive Garden that I would highly recommend you try to land in. I know. I was I was being dramatic. I know. Okay. And also, I'll say this, too. For someone who doesn't live in New York, I think Times Square, there are some very special elements to it. I've had friends. I, I once had a friend from California who'd never been here who he was like, I, ha- I just have to see Times Square. First thing he wanted to do, bring me to Times Square. And I did. And he was like, oh, this I've seen this in so many movies and this and that. So there's also a part of me that's like, I'm a jaded New Yorker. And if you get here and you're like, screw it, I want to go. Why? It's once in a lifetime experience. Go hang out in Times Square. Do it as well, but also just brace yourself because it's uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. I know. I'm I'm kind of nervous just because, uh, you know, I'm I'm from Florida, so I'm not used to the cold like whatsoever. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hey, you tell me because right now this is clearly the stretch of the podcast where I feel like you have such an intense life that I would just want to chit chat about Disney World and trips and stuff. And help maybe you not think about your job on your lunch break. There's probably people listening who are like, why aren't you talking more about the dark stuff and the job? You tell me what you want the next uh, 12 and a half minutes to be. Um, let's see. Uh, any more? I guess I don't really have any big opinion. It's whatever. Do you feel like there's any? If you have any more questions. I guess, well, do you, the big one would be, 
Do you feel like in your life experience there's things you've seen or absorbed that maybe the rest of us don't know that 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 should be aired out on a pl- public platform? Are there um, – are there uh, here's, and again, answer that more generally. The other question I would say that ties in are, are there things you – are there choices you see people make? Are there mistakes people fall into? Are there habits that lead down – to maybe people tumbling into circumstances beyond their control that you might have advice on? Yeah. So one of the things that I see a lot is that they're not finishing high school. And it sounds so cliche to just be like, oh, stay in school, kids, you know, get your degree. But it's so relevant. Like any any of them, they have to finish school. And um, especially with a lot of the teenagers who – get pregnant at 16 and they need to work to support the baby and all of this. And it's just like, no, finish school. Like, please, please finish school. And then the next one is, um, uh, gosh, what is it? Um, don't smoke like smoking. That's the next thing is it's so expensive and everyone does it. And it's like, it's not helping you. It's not helping your baby. It's expensive. Like just stop smoking. And and not even health wise. I mean, health wise, it sounds like there's concerns. You don't want a kid around a bunch of smoke. But even just economically, you get addicted to a thing that's expensive. And then if a social worker shows up and your kid hasn't eaten, but you've you're smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, I would imagine you get right away strike one less sympathy right there. Right, like it's a little bit frustrating. Like, hey, can you bring me a pack of diapers? But then they've got a pack of cigarettes on their table. Like, hmm. Right. How many of those could you have, like, how much money could you have saved if you had just put that money towards diapers instead of towards cigarettes? Right. And I'm not the kind of person to, like, begrudge people, like, the, the small things, you know what I mean? Like, if you're, if you have an iPhone, that's fine. Like, I don't know how you got that. Maybe you bought it secondhand from somebody for, like, 20 bucks. I don't know. But you bought that pack of cigarettes. So that's one that's hard like, to be sympathetic for. Yeah. Like if you want to get your nails done, girl, go get your nails done. Like that's for you. You deserve that. Whatever. Get your nails done, girl. But don't buy a pack of cigarettes. Right. Like, right. I remember, I've mentioned. I, that's the one thing. I remember mentioning this on a very, very early episode of, of Beautiful Anonymous. I once read a book called The Working Poor and it blew my mind about it was about the cycle of poverty and how when you fall into it, it's so hard to get out. And it, they said some similar things there. Like you were talking about nails done. They were talking about how, you know, sometimes people are in poverty poverty, and they have expensive cable packages. And it's like, it's such an easy expense to cut. But the author sort of argued there's a certain level of dignity in people wanting to stay connected to pop culture and not feeling like just because they're poor, they have to live on a in isolation from the rest of the world and kind of argued that that's why people maintain, you know, subscriptions to things that, that are entertainment based and was like, yeah, no, you need to let people still be humans who feel like human beings get your nails done. Like you said. Yeah, exactly. And I completely agree with that. And so I'm just like, you know what, if you want to go to the movies or take your kids like to play mini golf or whatever you want to do, like I'm all for that. And I will definitely bring you diapers so you can go do that. Mm -hmm. But if you're just sitting at home and you're smoking, chain smoking, like two packs a day, 
then you could have put that, like your time and energy towards something productive. Right, right. That would have been more beneficial for everyone. So it's just things like that where I don't, I'm trying not to judge them. Like I, I get that it's an addiction and everything, but at the same time, like right. how much how much are we willing to like sacrifice here? Yeah. So finish high school. I would have to imagine that's both for a young lady who might fall into a teen pregnancy, also their family. There might be, I would imagine, an instinct for a family to be like, well, you got yourself in a situation and now you need to focus up and be a mom or or build a family. Yeah. No, maybe families too should say, we're going to get you through school and then we're going to start that process. What else? What else? Yeah. Um, What else can we do? Um, Just for everyone in general, um, donating, like donate um, your time, like volunteering, um, whether if it's like big brothers, big sisters, or mentoring, uh, like we did a mentor program in the elementary schools this year. Um, so our organization, we split up and we went to an, one particular elementary school that was really suffering. And we went into the classrooms like once a week and we spent an hour with the kids. And by the end of the school year, they were reading better. They were eager to go to school to be able to see their mentors. So um, that was really like eye-opening too. Is like we see the older kids who are in school who need that push and that drive to be able to even stay at school as young as elementary school. Right. Um, and so, like donating your time or just your things, like instead of giving it like to a goodwill, like find a nonprofit. If you've got a bag of clothes in your car that you've been carrying around for six months, like find a nonprofit agency that or like a homeless shelter or somewhere that doesn't have the funds to like buy or sell things. Someone that's going to give it away instead of selling it for a profit. Right. And do you think, are there any particular organizations that you see doing a lot of good that you might encourage people to support? Um, really anywhere that's local. Um, local and grassroots is more important. Yes. Like, um, I know that the big stores, they do like good with trainings and like work opportunities and stuff. But as far as like items, if you just take a little bit of time and find a couple of nonprofit agencies in your community that, are giving away stuff to moms or to children or someone like that, then that would be majorly helpful. Mm-hmm. One thing you've mentioned a couple times that I remember being blown away from that book I read. Talk to me about transportation. This is a thing people don't think about, but is a major. The book it's I read so, almost so hard. Yeah, and the book I read pointed to it as the major. The book I read said once you hit a point of poverty when you can't escape is when your car craps out. They basically said at that point, when your car dies and you're someone who can't afford a new car or to fix your car, everything stops in your life. Can't get to work, lose your job, and it's downhill from there. And it's so hard, especially um, in communities that are maybe a little bit more rural or they don't have like a, as good of a public transportation system. Um, A lot of, a lot of our families don't have their own cars. They don't have transportation. Um, And so they're unable to get to jobs or they have to walk to jobs and that limits what they're able to get to um, if it's within walking distance or their kids have to go to daycares that they can walk to 
and um, maybe they're not going to the best daycare just because it's not within their like their area where they can access it. Right. Um, and then getting to doctor's appointments, um, to to wake appointments. That's the women, infant, and children program. Um, that's it's all it's all a struggle for transportation. We live in a world that can often be very harsh and that can be very unfair and very brutal to people. And you're doing personal work to try to help people through that. And I just want to make sure you know that it's noble and it's beautiful. And I thank you on behalf of all of us who are more selfish than you are. Thank you. I appreciate it. It really, it really helps to hear somebody say that too. Yeah, I hope you hear it pretty often because you're doing stuff that most people just wouldn't have the, um, you know, wouldn't have the yeah, in- so. interest or the emotional capacity to do. I'd, I'd love to help the world more, but I also know that if I worked your job, I'd spend every day shaking and crying. Right. If if you cry on the toilet, then what would what would you do here? <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Touche, my friend. Not to focus, but... No, thank you for bringing back the dumbest thing I've said in the past hour. Thank you for me <laughs> undercutting what I aim to, to be a sentimental and genuine moment by reminding me that I re- recently revealed to the world that this very morning, roughly three hours and 15 minutes ago, I was crying on my own toilet. Classic, Chris. Ouch. Hey, how many more jokes do you have left from the Monsters Laugh War? Can you give me one more? The Brines one, I remember well. Um, I do remember one that was along the lines of, and I phrased it more eloquently than this because I had time to sit down with a pen and paper like a good comedian. It was, uh, this one I kind of understood why they couldn't use it because the language is maybe just a little too risque for Monsters, Inc., but, uh, uh, why are vampires always stealing your blood? Why? Because they suck. Pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. That's pretty good. I agree. It's pretty good. It's a little bit of a... Because I talk about the physical method by which they do it. You don't see it coming. This monster's in... Thing. I was so mad. I was so mad. I was like humiliated. You know what? I was like, you know what? They suck. No, they're fine. Maybe I didn't bring it, but I'm going to be honest too. Some of the jokes they did use were jokes I had heard before. I'm like, you're encouraging joke thieves. You're encouraging joke theft. In my world, in my culture, that is a that's like a scarlet letter. You can't, you can't. You got to go with the original, baby. But I was, I was so embarrassed. My family was busted on me because I'd like been on TV at that point. I'd had a I'd had a half hour special on Comedy Central. I couldn't get a joke through in Monsters Inc. Well, hey, when and when it if and when I get that Disney Pass for Life, I will sit in Monsters Inc. floor and submit that joke, like courtesy of Chris Gethard. Thank you so much. Over Sub- and over, it's submitted. And tell me because it's going to get a laugh. Those kids are going to flip out. And again, I want to say if there is anyone with connections at Disney World who hears this, this is a good person. 
does the hard work for the rest of us. Point it to Disney World as the release by which she can stay sane. Disney World employees, do what you can. Help this person out. We can help put you in touch if you're okay with that caller. I, I am definitely okay with that. I appreciate your efforts. Let's make note. Caller, you do wonderful, beautiful work. Thank you for it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Caller, again, I, I know I said it a number of times, but I, I just can't underline enough how much I appreciate what you do. Um, it's mind-blowing to me, and I think you're amazing. Simple as that. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you to Jared O'Connell. Thank you to Harry Nelson in the booth. No thanks to Monsters, Inc. Throw that there at the end. Humiliated me. Thanks to the Reverend John, to Laura Greta Cohen, helped build this show. Thanks to Shellshack for the intro music. I get out on the road a lot. I might be coming to your city this year. ChrisGeth.com. That's where you can get the tickets. Check it out. You want to help the show? Go to Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. really does help. Thanks so much for listening. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, we talk to a grandmother who seems to be in a math equation that's confusing. So she's 43, huh? So she's 43. Yes, let's go back to that topic. (laughs) What's that conversation like? When your son is like, I want you to meet my girlfriend. (laughs) She graduated college while you were in high school. What's that like? That was the most awkward meeting of a person that I have ever had. And I feel like I'm a real people person, you know? And like, oh my gosh, what do I do? She's going to come over. What do I say? (laughs) That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous.